Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Adam Pranica. I'm your other host, Ben Harrison. Back at you with season three. I really You keep reappropriating yeah, that sound, I should, Ben. I should not I should not be doing that. We yeah. will we will not put the drop in there. Yeah. Not gonna happen. I'm editing this episode and <laughs> I will not be using that drop there. Okay. It's sacrosanct. It's only used to mention Greatest Gen Con twenty seventeen. Very true. Um I have a couple of housekeeping things, but I was hoping we could open some Star Trek cards. Let me just burn through them. Okay. Number one, I am drinking alcohol. Oh, good for you. Number two, uh, I think we'll have results from our contest to announce. Um, probably not this week, but next week. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, I have had the VHS tape of my childhood Star Trek movies digitized. <laughs> and... The quality is very bad, but I think we'll try to do something next week where we play some clips from it and talk about what a nerdy kid I was. Uh, because I watched it and I was like, I I like took took a little bit of a lunch hour at work to to try and watch this, and it was like totally destroying my sense of self worth to oh wow to relive this. You really had a moment. Yeah. So uh, it should it should be uh, on brand for this podcast for me to embarrass myself like that in public. <laughs> it's about time we get back back to embarrassing ourselves on this show. It's been way too long. Um, last episode may may have qualified as us embarrassing ourselves. Uh... <laughs> What's fun is that episode hasn't come out yet, so we have no idea what sort of shitstorm it caused. Yeah, that's true. Well, do you uh, do you want to open some some cards? Sure. Are you asking me if I want to, or or are we going to? We could cross streams. Let's do it. Right. I love that package opening sound. Yeah, it's it's real nice on the uh, Shure SM7B microphone. Come on, Jaeger. <laughs> Give me a Jaeger. My first card is for lower decks. Uh, did you? You got this card, right? I believe I did, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a cool one. It's like eyes on the palms of hands, which doesn't, as far as I can remember, have anything to do with the episode in question. <laughs> yeah, if there's anything our podcast is about, it's about uh, hair on the palms of hands. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't know anything about that. Uh, I got a counter at Farpoint, which we've we've gotten. That's a repeat. Yeah. Samaritan snare, uh, eyeball on the on the Enterprise and fish hook. We've also already gotten. Right. Uh, ooh, this is from episode one one zero zero one zero zero one, and it is the Enterprise flying as fast as it can toward Minuet, which is probably what it would be doing if I was in command. <laughs> what part of Minuet? Uh the like Chestel area. Yeah. Want to go motorboat some minuet? (laughs) 
I've got Hero Worship, which I think is another one that we already have in the pile, right? It's got uh, yeah. it's got Picard up on a pedestal and a small child looking up at him. Yeah, Boy, I think it's if Data on the pedestal, right? Yeah, that would be troubling if it were Captain Picard. I have one for a Rob Bowman episode, Brothers. Looks like it's like two Datas, or I guess it's Data and Lore, and uh, they are either going to kiss or fight. I got the first duty, which is another repeat. I got a pack full of repeats, dude. And then I got Masterpiece Society as the last one. An episode I don't remember at all. It's some sort of a chunk of stellar fragment heading for a colony of genetically engineered humans. And then uh, and then the Enterprise offering to evacuate them. That's That sounds like a storyline we've seen time and time again. I feel like that happens every season. Yeah. Yeah, some core is ejected. It's yeah. flying towards a planet. The Enterprise is on the scene. I have one for Loud as a Whisper, the mm. Ginger Jesus episode. I love Ginger Jesus. This is a real weird one. It's like a hand making the peace sign, but they've superimposed a screaming mouth over that peace sign. <laughs> <laughs> and then a uh, shot of the Enterprise flying in the background. Kind of a crazy one. Mm. And uh, my last one is Emergence. Which I think is for that episode where they're all on like on like the train going to some city and it's like some computer system that's like becoming intelligent within the ship. They have to holodeck adventure to to confront it. Boy, it's becoming clear just how often a computer malfunction is a major storyline <laughs> on this show. Yeah, if it's not a computer malfunction, it might be a brain malfunction. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. Entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. Well, that offers us a nice segue into today's episode. Yeah. Today's episode, of course, being season three, episode one, Evolution. And Ben, as we do most of the time when we begin a new season, might be a good idea to talk about some of the differences that we noticed right away uh, as this new season begins. Yeah. What did you notice? Well, uh, we open with a very awesome exterior shot of the ship in front of like a big red giant star. I don't know if it's like vastly better than the the ship shots that we've seen so far, but it does like really set a tone that like this has got some some cool ship shots in it. And uh, like I feel the, like the show's automatic deposit has just received <laughs> more funding. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. and after uh, Shades of Grey, they're ready to spend money again. Right, and and I think that that holds like even throughout the episode, and just in terms of just the cinematography in general, like it seemed better lit, uh, more interesting blocking, and more interesting choices with the camera work and stuff. Uh, yeah, a lot of dirty shots, right? Yeah, and uh, major upgrade on the uniforms. Right, uh, this is a pretty significant change visually. What you have here is a is a change from spandex uh-huh. <laughs> to a wool gabardine blend. Yeah. It's and, like uh, it's like suit fabric. Yeah, and it looks less shiny than the spandex was. It's just it's a more matte finish of a uniform. Yeah. It looks thicker, like demonstrably thicker and not as form-fitting. Right. I felt like they did a thing in this episode right away which was a nod to this. Hmm. And one of the first scenes we see is Wes relieving someone at the con 
Yeah. And the person getting out of the chair is wearing the old uniform and leaving the bridge. And everyone else on the bridge is wearing the new uniform. Everybody with no speaking part did not. It got passed over for uh, for new uniform duty. Yeah. Yeah, which is it, that's like the one weird thing is like, I guess I don't really know like what it costs to tailor something like one of these uniforms, but like a really fancy suit, which I would imagine is on a similar level of complication, you know, can be like five, ten thousand dollars if you buy it in London. And, you know, I think that the like kind of workmanship that you bring to bear uh, on a on a show like this, you know, you're not, you're not sending away to some factory in China to have these made. You're having them made by highly skilled uh, workers. So it seems like they had it in the budget to get like the main cast recostumed minus Wesley and Troy. And that's it. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? I have a number. That's the cost of the new uniforms. Would you like to take a guess as to how much one of these new uniforms costs? I don't know if I... I'm going to guess 10. I'm going to guess 10 grand. We're going to go under on that $3,000. Wow. Per costume. Yeah. Seems like pretty good value. Well, yeah. I mean, you don't want to you don't want to put every extra in a $3,000 suit. Yeah, that's true. I don't think they gave Troy any uniform. Do you think so? No, it's I the think... same. Uh yeah. and and Wesley is is the same even though they claim he's grown two inches since last season. Yeah, they're still pouring him into that gray jumper. Yeah. The opening interior shot of this is the camera panning over a bunch of, like, snacks and science crap on a table to find a sleeping Wesley Crusher. The boy. With a galaxy of pimples on his face uh, Oof. it's uh, one of those things where i'm sure will wheaton wishes they hadn't done the hd upgrade on this episode this is so hd unkind yeah i mean like every like in in the wide angles like it just doesn't show up that badly but this camera is like inches from his face and he is uh his complexion does not hold up yeah, I think they ha- they set up a fill like that's totally perpendicular to his cheek, and so it only serves to emphasize the <laughs> the height of the acne off of the rest of his face. Like yeah. it casts a shadow over the rest of his cheek. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like they set the bump map to a hundred percent. I'm speaking as someone who still gets acne as a thirty year old, so like I'm not I'm not speaking disparagingly of. Like to make fun of another guy, like I, I totally feel this, and and it made me feel bad. Yeah, we're we're just pointing it out. We're not making fun. It's a it's a real Back to the Future beginning, isn't it? Like yeah, like uh, like Wes is sort of the Marty McFly character who's who's overslept his alarm and he's late for class. Riker Riker phones him up and forget to set your alarm, Wesley. I guess there's no there's no punishment for being super late to work on this episode. Um, <laughs> But uh, he gets he gets up to the bridge, and they've got a a science man, Doctor Paul Stubbs, who is there to do a science experiment on this red giant star. There is some kind of stellar matter that's coming off of this star, and then there's a little neutron star in the distance that this matter is like in kind of a 
a descending orbit of, and it like spirals around it. And I guess this neutron star will build up enough of this stuff every 200 years to cause it to explode and then start the cycle over again. So this is apparently like a great opportunity to get some kind of data. And that's why they're here. Uh, and this professor is like, he's he's like the perfect, I'm going to call him space slumpy. Like sure. he, he's got, he's got absent-minded professor clothes, but updated for the modern 24th century gentleman. Uh, like, yeah, it's a real dumpy tweed. He's got he's got a lot of rumple in his <laughs> in his clothing. <laughs> yeah, and uh, is a pretty great character. I I thought. Yeah, he really plays a bastard well. Yeah, like we get to know him because Picard comes out of his ready room and he's like, "All right, let's do some science." And the professor like starts big dogging him right off the bat. I have been inspecting the egg for the last twenty years. You may lay it when ready. And so we're like, "Oh God." fuck off like like do you really need to cop this fucking attitude right now like you're getting to do your damn science every Um, scientist on this show up until now has been someone that the federation has sent to a faraway chunk of rock mm -hmm. and just sort of exiled this is one of the rare scientists that hasn't been given that treatment and he's a total dick yeah it's like uh it's like dude you need to you need to look around you and see what is happening to your kind because they're <laughs> they're being shipped out left and right and yeah. uh and and you're about five years away from being dirty old man level uh scientist so <laughs> check yourself before you riggedy wreck yourself sir it is a guiding principle of a soft leading base have you can't find it within yourself So what they're going to do, the uh, the science plan is they have this thing called the egg, which is a a probe, like a, a specialized probe that's uh, about the size of a shuttle pod. They're going to send it into the like vicinity of this explosion and gather data on this neutron star, and they, it's going to happen in eighteen hours. Like it's it's coming up. The egg looks like a prop that was from that episode with Seymour Castle, right? It, it really like, does, yeah. It's it like, looks like the same deal. It's a bunch of bars welded yeah. together. It's like, like a structure that protects an inner structure. Like, hey, uh, we got a lot of uh, tubular aluminum left over from uh, that Seymour <laughs> Castle episode. <laughs> this is the prop department guy. <laughs> the prop department guy is uh, definitely from Wisconsin, it sounds like. <laughs> And uh, and so they, they get ready to launch the egg, and they are hit with a big banger. Yeah, totally big banger. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, and it throws Stubbs to the ground. Mm-hmm. Like, he is rolling all over the bridge. And uh, it's like one of those things where everything they try doesn't work, you know, like, hit the stabilizer does we don't have the stabilizer hit the shields we don't have the shields you know reboot the engine sorry we can't do that and uh so they're just shaking around for like a good 15 or 20 seconds and uh they finally get control of the ship back and uh the doctor is kind of hurt so they got to send him to sick bay and guess who's in sick bay adam a very very 90s hair beverly crusher yeah, she's like, yo, it's it's the 90s now. I am rocking this hairstyle. 
Well, I mean, to be clear, we're going to get letters about this. Uh, it's 1989, is September it? 1989, on this air date. However, like, this it's, is a quintessentially 90s haircut that she's rocking. Yeah, she knows. Like, it, it's, she's, it's, like a, it's like the office lady from Dilbert. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a triangle <laughs> triangle configuration. I mean, we're getting right. a little Star Trek haircast here. Yeah. But I think for good reason. It is, uh, it's pretty epic. Yeah. Unlike the office lady from Dilbert, she isn't there as a female punching bag for a gross men's rights advocate. Sure, sure. While we're on Haircast for a second, can sure. I talk a little bit about Wes's hair? <laughs> yeah, it's really bad, right? <laughs> it's like he saw what they were doing to uh, to Frakes, yeah. and he's like, I want to get in that chair right after Frakes, and I want exactly the Frakes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If give- they were to stand side by side, they'd have the same haircut. Yeah, but it's weird because it like I feel like it looks okay on a grown man, but right. somehow on Wes it looks like hair plugs. Like it looks like fake. <laughs> it looks like he leaned over a hand dryer in a bathroom and just kind of blew it up. Oh, you think he did the Floby? This is like this is like prime Floby era. He gets some nice verticality on the hair. Yeah. Like, in a really impressive way. <laughs> and it's something that is proportional to Riker's face and body. Like, it, it just sort of blends in wor- and works for for Riker as a character. But it does not work for poor Wes. Yeah, he needs to go back to the... Uh, <laughs> to supercuts? He needs to go back to Pee-wee hair. Big time. What's the significance? I don't know! Yeah, Pee-wee hair was actually working a lot better for him. Uh, never been said before, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Beverly's back, and she explains that she was uh, she was what she was at the academy for a year teaching. Yeah, teaching at Starfleet Medical or something. I kind yeah. of wished that they'd done something to explain. Like, I, I wish that they'd sent Pulaski off. Like, you know, Pulaski had a, a tough road to hoe, not being Beverly Crusher, and didn't start her her tenure on the Enterprise in the best way by being super racist against data but i think we can both agree by the end of season two has really won us over as like a totally valid excellent doctor character i completely agree i like pulaski and i am sad that she's not on the show anymore like i'm I'm totally pro pulaski yeah but they didn't send her off in any way you know like in she saved riker's life right in pulaski's first episode they explain where Dr. Crusher is. Yeah. In this episode, it's like she was. She might as well not exist. It's very Pulaski erasing. So I read that the story with Pulaski's character is there was a pretty sizable letter-writing campaign to get her off the show. Really? That's like Which the reverse Which is sort of Jaeger. like a reverse Jaeger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it once again speaks to, to sort of the awesome power of, of conjuring any sort of letter-writing campaign. Yeah. Like, uh, it's sort of a powerful and dangerous thing to do that. Well, I think that uh, we've had a little discussion about that recently with regard to tweeting at the Star Trek Room account. And uh, a lot of people have tweeted on our behalf that we should be writers on the new series. Uh, (laughs) A lot of people are also saying that we've been Jaegering. Yeah. By doing that, which is totally correct. It's a good good point. It's a point... uh, a point that we, uh, we, I think, are forced to to take seriously. 
I mean, also, the silence has just been really quite deafening. <laughs> the silence has been enough to make me want to pivot that whole effort into what I think would we would be better at anyway, mm-hmm. which, yeah. is, which is the post-show conversation show. Right. That we're definitely going to do after this new Star Trek series launches. Yeah, I think uh, I think we should absolutely do that. I mean, I think that uh, it would be nice to be an officially sh- sanctioned post show, but I don't think that we should uh, let that be the determining factor. We don't want to be talking about how we're out of the pocket of Big Rod and then like somehow talk our way into the pocket of Big Rod. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that at all. I want to stay out of the pocket. Works contrary to everything we stand for, which is a totally independent assessment of trek i want to be able to make all the jokes both dick and fart (laughs) are there any other kinds probably not but we'll never know you can't do that when you're inside the pocket yeah depending on which pocket it's either dick or fart you know if it's front pocket it's dick if it's back pocket it's fart if it's uh if it's tiny pocket like the emodium pocket that's ria (laughs) it's ria joke We do not as yet have a title for this show, so if you have any ideas... Yeah, send them in. My love is a Anyway, goodbye, Dr. Pulaski. Hello again, Dr. Crusher. I miss Dr. Crusher. Well, it's nice to be together again. I wound up loving Dr. Pulaski, but I, I, I love the shit out of some Dr. Crusher. I don't know. Her overbearing mom vibes creep me out a little bit. There's a lot of that in this episode, so uh, I don't I don't fully blame you. But um, yeah, so so when uh, when the professor is down in sick bay, he the professor is recovering from his banger <laughs> and um, kind of plants the seed in in the doctor's head that uh, that Wes is developing weird because his mom is is on the ship with him and. Uh, I think we both know that Wes is developing weird for other reasons also. But, right. you know, maybe he has a point. It really gets under her skin. So, like, while the ship is completely in dire straits and getting fucked up left and right, uh, Crusher goes up to the, the ready room and takes takes 15 of the captain's time to talk about <laughs> her son. Yeah. Really? Way to make it all about her. <laughs> The one person she shouldn't be asking about how how he's developing is Captain Picard. I see no evidence that there is a problem. The line that made me laugh the loudest was uh, she's kind of like talking about how she feels like she's really grown apart from Wesley and doesn't even know certain major things about him. She asks Picard, has he ever been in love? And, and his <laughs> reply is just... Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what are we to take away from that? He yeah, he mentions that uh he's strong like his father. <laughs> he's got the strength of his father, Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> he's honest and trusting for you. <laughs> Both resistant and accepting. <laughs> and he does like to eat the pudding with his girlfriend, AOC. <laughs> he gives the chocolate to his girlfriends. 
They dip the finger and they lick the pudding off the finger. You see. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's how that scene happened. <laughs> yeah, we don't even need to pull clips from that because that's basically a photograph of yeah. of what happened in that scene. <laughs> so, uh, so Wesley uh, wanders down to engineering and LaForge is like frantically running around the Shimoda corner trying to figure out what's going on with the computer. And he's like looking at a magnified section of the data core or something like that. And there's just like a big hole blown right out of the middle of it. And the camera like pushes it on Wesley and he like comes just short of reaching his finger up into his collar and going, (laughs) (laughs) It's when your whole body goes, oh boy. Real like uh, like child acting school rep right there, <laughs> like lowercase a acting for sure. Yeah. So he does what any he does what anyone would do who may be responsible for impending doom to the ship. Impending doom to the flagship of of the Starfleet. Yeah. <laughs> With a thousand souls aboard, he tells no one about his potential responsibility. Yeah. Like. Like you got to give it to Wes. He's great at keeping secrets. He kind of Mordock. He kind of he kind of chaotic bros it. Like he doesn't want to tell anybody what's going on until he knows for a fact that he's right about his theory. But yeah, this is a lot of goofing around that he does. Like he goes back to uh, his science room. He sets a bunch of traps in ten forward and gets caught by Guinan. He promises her that he's going to tell somebody if his theory bears out but like that that never satisfied anybody when chaotic bro tried to pull it right yeah he's doing everything besides uh tell an authority figure what's happened yeah and like the chaotic bro like like he didn't have any responsibility for there being poopy on the ship right wesley did this yeah he put the poopy on the ship or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> I said, put the poopy on the fucking ship. <laughs> now put the poopy in the basket. <laughs> Would you fuck me, Captain? <laughs> I'd fuck me. <laughs> oh, man. Coming out of the blocks in season three hard, Ben. <laughs> so eventually he does confirm what has happened is that he had some medical nanites that he was doing a scientist because a uh, like a school science experiment on and uh and they got out of six bay and <laughs> they are tearing the ship apart lisa <laughs> and uh and and he goes about revealing this to the senior staff by having his mom do it uh yeah this is so emasculating to watch <laughs> it really is yeah, Beverly basically gives the senior staff the rundown on what the nanites are. And then, like, she ends her comments by going, like, and then someone released them onto the ship. And then, like, <laughs> whips her head around at Wes, who is, like, staring out the window, shaking his head. Yeah, he's uh, doing all but a Riker lean. 
And uh, yeah. And so this breaks out in a debate, which is the the nanites are microscopic robots. Remember, if it doesn't say micromachines, it's not the real thing. Doing something that they're not designed to do, which is multiplying and harvesting computer core parts for resources and. And they're like, well, this could be like the start of a civilization. And if it is, if they're, they're, then they're potentially intelligent. And if they're potentially intelligent, that's sort of like core mission shit. We're going to, we're going to like try and figure out a way to meet new life and new civilization. And Dr. Stubbs, the, uh, the rumpled professor is like, no, fuck that. Like, I'm trying to do my science experiment here. And this is a science experiment run amok. You need to shut it down, get rid of the nanites in the computer, and let's do what we come to do. Yeah, he's like, your computer has fleas. Like, <laughs> let's gas them out of there and yeah. get on with our business. Let's put one of those tents around the ship and yeah. I'll go on like a vacation to uh, Palm Springs for a weekend. And when we come back, it'll be nice and clean. We get a new set here, yeah, which I think is fun, which is what I think we're led to believe is the computer core. Yeah. It's a place where the crew can actually interact with with uh, the main part of the computer. It's a cool set, and we got we get kind of a fun reveal of Stubbs like walking along a, a catwalk and like down a ladder into it when where Data and uh, and Wes and maybe like Jordy are are identifying where in the system these nanites have gone, right. and they they're trying to like they're trying to encourage the nanites to go somewhere else by giving little gamma pulses and Stubbs is like have you considered a high level charge that'll just kill him and they're like yeah well that's not what we're doing I mean obviously that would work and he's like I know and he like he he, he like puts his gun sideways and like blah blah blows at him like he's he pulls some real gangster shit right here yeah he does he use a gamma dustbuster it's configured more like a pistol it's, yeah it, it doesn't look like a dustbuster it's like it's like he has a nine in his belt, and he just walks in and, and starts blasting away. Yeah. And uh, Data has to, like, grab his wrist and stop him from shooting. Yeah, and evidently Stubbs ends up murdering, like, a lot of these little guys. And they are not happy about it. They begin to drop bangers around the ship uh, in a pretty aggro way. Yeah, this gets this gets uh, gets the nanites working over time, and... Uh, Riker and Picard are are having a little man to man in the in the ready room, and they start smelling something. And they go out on the bridge, and the air is dense with smoke. You smell a change. <coughs> what? Riker like runs over to the computer and and like figures out that there's nitrogen oxide, toxic levels being pumped into the bridge. Like the nanites are not just doing bangers; they are actively fighting back. Right, and they seem to be able to listen in on conversations because, like, I feel like any time Stubbs is brought up in a conversation, they drop a little banger or something right. Something bad happens on board the ship. They seem to to understand their communication. Stubbs gets confined to quarters for being a big, fat prick, and uh, what he wants to do in his quarters is... I just think about baseball. He's not doing it with anyone and imagining baseball games. He's just skipping the sex part and thinking of baseball. Yeah, like he he has this whole thing with with Wesley where he says like I love baseball even though like nobody knows anything about it anymore. 
and he's like, I've I've seen all the best plays. And Wesley's like, oh, cool, you do holodeck. And he's like, no, I do it with my imagination. And it's like, it's like somebody going like, I love jerking off, but I never watch porn. And it's like... Like Sting would say. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I feel like Riker would have would have just thrown up if uh, if he'd been in the room when this conversation went down. You disgust me, sir. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, even worse than that guy that said that he didn't have any interest in reproduction. I think yeah. Riker, Riker's more passionate about beating off than... Sure. ...than reproduction. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. So, I mean, shit really comes to a head and Picard finally, like, realizes that they may just have to commit genocide on these computer fleas. Right. And so they, like, ready the system to do that, to, like, flood the computer with this radiation that would kill everything. They tiptoe right up to it, and then Data kind of makes a breakthrough. He's uh, typing, typing away on the science station, and uh, some, some ones and zeros come back and start flashing on the screen. And he, he does that, like, you know, like push back from the desk in awe, uh, in, the, in the awe of somebody who's made a real eureka moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has established communication. Well, I guess it's not a surprise that the nanites would use binary as their way of communication, but I think it's weird that they're able to flash whatever they're saying to data. Like <laughs> they flash it on and off. Yeah, somebody's got to somebody's got to translate that binary to like "fuck you." <laughs> yeah, yeah, like bold and underline wasn't something that was in their power, but flashing on and off is. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. Um, so Data comes up with this great idea in a very Data kind of way. He wishes to sacrifice his body in all kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, you know what might be easier, an easier way to communicate with these nanites is if I let them go inside me and puppet me around. <laughs> like, wouldn't it be great if you could talk to them through me? And for some reason, like, everyone is cool with this except for Worf. Like, Worf, again, is the only sensible person on the bridge. And he's like... Uh, do you think it's a bad idea to let them wear data, like some sort of robot outfit, like basically the most powerful thing on this ship besides yeah. the ship itself? Do you think it's a bad idea for them to let da- them make a skin suit out of data? Right. Would and- you fuck me? Yeah. <laughs> I'd fuck me. <laughs> and to a man, everyone's like, shut up, Worf. <laughs> yeah. So they go to the into the computer core and they shoot the nanites into data and sure as shit, like they drive data around and speak through his mouth. Yeah. And unsurprisingly, he's a little pissed at Stubbs. Right. And 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 yet, like, they are able to reach a diplomatic uh agreement very quickly. And it's oh, like yeah. Man, like if if this is the kind of conversation that happened after the Gulf of Tonkin incident, you know, <laughs> like it's so it's like everybody is like working in such good faith the entire time, like data doesn't hide or like nanite data doesn't hide that they are super pissed at 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 the professor, but ultimately they're they're willing to look past the fact that he committed nanite genocide. And it's like, wow, how nice of them. <laughs> it's so fucked up. Like, Data gets up out of his seat and approaches Stubbs. No one gets in between them. 
Yeah. No one gets in between them because Data would rip the head off of anyone who did. <laughs> that yeah. situation is so dangerous. Yeah, I, seriously. That was an insane choice to make. But it worked. Yeah, it did. And, uh, it did. Uh, Picard lawyers the nanites into uh, into peace. And they even like got a planet set aside for them. Yeah, they kind of made out great on the deal, didn't they? Yeah, they make the best deals. They make amazing <laughs> deals that really show the Chinese who's boss. Uh. <laughs> Nothing wrong in my tiny robot department. <laughs> great tiny robot. <laughs> I have totally normal sized hands for a very tiny robot. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Trump sounds a little JFK to me. <laughs> uh, we will go to the planets. <laughs> believe me, we are made of star stuff. <laughs> uh, the most incredible star stuff. <laughs> this episode has all the impressions. <laughs> all of our really solidly C minus impressions. Um, so the the last scene of the episode is is Beverly uh, goes to uh, knock back a couple of drinks and eat a couple of jelly beans in ten forward. Do you notice her her plate of like Turkish delights and jelly beans? <laughs> in the future, that gets to be your dinner. Yeah, she had like a like a fernet branca and jelly beans for dinner. God, <laughs> and uh, her tum is going to be really upset after that. Yeah, that's not gonna that's not gonna be a fun hangover. <laughs> But uh, she's she's uh, kind of talking talking motherhood with Guinan, and uh, like Guinan tells her about one of her offspring that she had to whip into shape over hundreds of years, and then Wesley like comes into ten forward with a uh, a cute blonde girl and goes off and sits sits down with uh, all the like all of the Enterprise teens. Is that scene canonical Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, by the way? Because all the kids at that table are wearing different colored neon clothes. Yeah. Like, good lord. That's a good call. Um, they, dis- they made a production decision not to light them differently to emphasize their presence. They just costume them in the loudest way possible. Yeah. This definitely has a slide whistle, which is the doctor... You know, going like, what do you know about this girl? Wait a second, who is she? Who's her mother? Right. Does she come from a good family? Huh, yeah, and that was the button on the app. Interesting first episode for a season. Yeah, in good Star Trek tradition. This is a weird, weird first episode, but uh, I liked it. Yeah, I I think I did too. I mean, it was, uh, God, anything is good after Shades of Grey. Yeah, but the writing was good, like the... I mean, like, the motivations of all the characters was, like, pretty interesting. I think almost everybody uh, in the main cast had had an interesting role to play. There's all this stuff on the theme of being a a young person with a lot of potential. And, mm-hmm. and the, you know, Dr. Stubbs has, has lived a life as somebody like that and has some interesting, like, experience to relate to Wesley on that subject. Um, overall, I thought pretty solid. Yeah, and I mean, not to get too mission log about this, but we would be remiss if we didn't mention, like, one of the reasons that the show pivots uh, when season three begins is because Michael Pillar's brought on as executive producer. And 
when he came in, he laid down the law on a couple of things. And one of the one of the things he laid down was every episode has to show some sort of character growth and every episode has to be about something. Yeah. Like that was those were the edicts. <laughs> and like they're laughably thin when right. even saying them out loud, like, oh really? Right. Like the show's gotta be about something? Oh, do you think so, Doctor? Thanks. Like that's helpful. That's like what uh, what you get told in like your first screenwriting class in film school, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. And this this episode was very emblematic of the former, just the the character growth element of this. Uh, right. Wesley did a bad thing. Wesley learned that he needs to tell people when he makes a mistake. Right. Uh, yeah, I dug it. Good. Interesting start to a season, but um, it gives me hope for future episodes based on this, totally. like the strength of this one. Absolutely. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find a season three Drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! Uh, I sure did. Um, Drunk Shimoda Award is an award we give to characters who act in a way that seems incongruous or silly. In the way that Jim Shimoda does in episode two of the series. Uh, an award we give out every episode because we thought Jim Shimoda was such a great, funny guy. So my drunk Shimoda for this episode is the crew members that were on the bridge when they started getting gassed by the nanites. Because Riker and Picard are in the ready room and there's like nobody from the main bridge crew on the bridge when they're in there. They come out. And there's like half a dozen people working the bridge, you know? There's somebody at con, there's somebody at ops, there's somebody at tactical, there's a couple people on the science stations in the back, and they are just standing there going about their business, coughing as they are being poisonously gassed. <laughs> and it takes Riker running over to the computer to figure out what the fuck is going on and, and like changing the the environmental settings to get rid of the poison gas. Like guys, you can you can save your lives. You don't have to be at at ops doing nothing while you get poison gassed. And like, it's also pretty clear that they've been suffering through this for a while. They didn't radio anybody up and say like, "Hey, uh, just so anybody knows, uh, bridge is flooded with poisonous gas." Yeah, they're really ready to ride this thing out. Yeah, so crazy. Yeah. So that's my drunk Shimoda. Yeah, that's troubling. My Shimoda. I think has got to go to Beverly <laughs> who chooses the time in the episode where the ship is at the most danger just to have a heart to heart with the captain <laughs> about how Wes is doing. Yeah. Bad timing, bad form, bad everything. And Picard actually, uh, actually allows it. Yeah. Like he, he humors her. Yeah. She's like, you got five. And he's like, yeah, I got five. Yeah, I mean, bangers are getting dropped all over the ship, and uh, at any moment, I feel like people could die. But yeah. sure. While I agree with you, I do think that this sort of speaks to something about Picard's captaining style, mm -hmm. which is that like the ship gets in some fucked up situations on a fairly regular basis, and like he is nothing if not cool under pressure, mm -hmm. and. He is down to do some personal shit with a, a crew member to like hash hash some some shit out, despite a potentially critical situation. And I don't think that they it, it was like entirely cr clear how critical it was yet. 
So I think that was just Picard being like, yeah, like, of course there's a critical or potentially critical situation. That doesn't mean I don't have time in the day to, to talk to my chief medical officer, you know? I don't know. Is he the right person to ask how Wes is doing, though, also? No, I think like, Riker was the person to ask. Yeah, I think I think so, too, because when they were doling out responsibilities for for overseeing him when Beverly left the ship, I don't think Picard got a job. Right. Like, everyone sort of volunteered for, for duties, and Picard was like, great, make it so. Darmok, Angela, and Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What are we watching for the next episode? Next episode is season three, episode two, The Ensigns of Command. I keep thinking I'm going to do, say, season two. It's like when when the year changes over and you sign your first rent check and you put, you know, 2015 on when it's 2016. This is uh, exactly like that. Yeah. Season, uh, season three, episode two, The Ensigns of Command. Data races against time to save a human colony that's been marked for death by aliens. Do you remember this episode, Adam? I do not remember this episode at all. It sounds like Data is going to engage in some sort of limb for hostage exchange. <laughs> uh, this is probably in my top ten. Whoa! I, I like this episode a lot. There's like a crazy type of alien, and there's a lot of like Picard lawyering, and there's a lot of great like Data character development with like you know him him kind of coming into his own as somebody who's comfortable as a commander. You know, like he doesn't he doesn't do a lot of management in seasons one and two. In this episode, he has to, like, convince people to listen to him as a leader. And uh, I'm excited to watch it. I don't know, man. It sounds pretty talky. <laughs> I can't believe that an episode that is in your personal top ten is one that I don't remember at all. I think you'll remember it the second you start seeing it. I think these descriptions kind of suck. Yeah. I think that's the thing. Here's here. I'll, Not I'll a let, great description. Yeah, really kind of a shameful description. Sad. <laughs> here, here's, here's what I'll do for you, Adam. I'll do some Picosby to try and jog your memory. You see, Theo, when the Enterprise is trying to save this human colony, <laughs> a alien race called the Sheliac are coming in to wipe them out, you see. Rudy and the Sheliac look like garbage bag people, you see. Ben, uh, oddly enough, that totally jogged my memory. Yes! <laughs> I do remember the Sheliac, and I do remember their garbage bag costumes. Yeah. Like, they they, uh, they actually hail them, and the bridge of the Sheliac ship is just people covered in garbage bags and some really hard lighting. That's the, that's the thing. There's oh, a there's a cool alien threat and uh and uh I think I think the episode is interesting on a lot of levels. So I will not veto. Yeah, fuck this episode. I'm gonna veto it. Fuck you! What are you serious? <laughs> you're just you're just mad about your last veto. <laughs> Alright. Are you seriously vetoing? Yeah, I kinda wanna see what's gonna happen here. I can't allow you to veto this episode <laughs> because I will have to burn my veto 
And then we have an entire episode or an entire season in front of us that no, I what? counter I, I I counteract your veto. <laughs> but what do you think about that? You fucked us again, Adam. <laughs> God damn it. Every everybody that hated the vetoes is gonna be so happy though, because <laughs> Oh man. That felt amazing. <laughs> there are Q episodes. There are Loaxana episodes, Adam. I just want you to confront that reality. Episode one of a season. Fuck yeah. That feels great. I'm draped over my seat like uh, like Riker being given command. I feel awesome about this. Look at me. Look at me, sure. I'm the captain now. I think only time will tell what kind of catastrophe you have inflicted on all of us today. Big veto. Incredible veto. <laughs> the best veto usage. But, but you just burned it. You're such a... You're... you're oh! All right. Well, so next next time we will be watching episode, episode two, The Ensigns of Command. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, we will. And every episode of season three henceforth. Well, uh, I don't know why you would want to, but you can follow Adam <laughs> on Twitter at Cut for Time, and you can follow me at Benjamin R A H R. I don't also... know how this is happening because this episode hasn't gone out yet, but people are unfollowing me in waves, <laughs> like right now. If you want to tweet about this travesty of justice, you can use the hashtag <laughs> #GreatestGen. Uh, I'm sure there will be a a war room thread over at the Greatest Gen Reddit. Uh, sub, uh, I'm imagining people on the Maximum Fun Reddit will be lobbying to have Adam taken off of the podcast. Uh, I would understand. And uh, you know, and you replaced know. with uh, Beverly Crusher. <laughs> yeah. Tagging slash you slash Jesse Thorne, trying to uh, convince convince him to remove you from the podcast. Going to replace me with a McElroy. I know. Yeah. It. Well, uh, that is this is a this is an episode that really took a a stunning left <laughs> turn right right up against the end. Uh, oh, we can't forget to thank Dark Materia for the use of his beautiful Picard song as our theme music. And uh, if you wish to if you wish to encourage us in any way, you can support the show by going to maximumfund.org/donate. Why would they want to encourage us after that? I know. <sighs> well, uh, with that, we will be back at you next week with a one of the great episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation, and also if you say so, uh, this. 